Say That, the podcast for your big questions, get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. And joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. I'm back. You were here last week. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you may not remember <laughs> it, but you were here. I kind of don't. Also joining us, Jed Brew, the director of Mission USA Productions. I never went away because I'm faithful. Okay. <laughs> also joining us from one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. I'm also here. Everyone's wearing headphones. This is a real episode. That's right. You it's know, real. One of the things that people at home don't realize is uh, Jed and I, uh, we're doing our own kind of trip right now. Because oh, I thought that was going to be out the culottes because they don't re- they don't realize that either. <laughs> <laughs> we we are testing out some new tech here at the. Say that world headquarters, worldwide headquarters in our underground bunker where we're safely protected. Far more accurate than it should be. And safe from the coming <laughs> Osteen apocalypse. Absolutely. But what we're doing is uh, me and Jed are, are using uh, microphones that are attached to our head. Yeah, like some kind yep. of cyborg microphone. And uh, it's very exciting, but. Uh, we're used to having a mic in front of us, just like a big mic, a radio microphone in front of us, but we don't have that anymore. But we're both still staring straight forward and talking as if there were a mic in front of us when now we can move our heads around. Yeah. <laughs> so. I don't know what to do with this new freedom. It's scary. <laughs> yeah. Well, so which is odd considering part of the reason we were going to the headphone microphone solution is. All of us were doing a lot of not looking directly ahead into the microphone while there were static right. microphones. <laughs> right. So essentially, we solved the problem with technology, and then you and Jed fell into not doing the problem behavior anymore. That's yeah. right. Yeah. It's a very placebo effect. Sure, sure. Yeah. We, just, we, we just cannot be fixed. Well, speaking of cyborg technology, Whoa. I declare... A user-generated emergency. Wow, Whoa, it's a what? Matt King emergency the now. Matt I'm excited. King. We've I, had... Wait, wait, very... wait. Is this a real emergency? Because I like to get down to, you know, the wisdom. You know, <laughs> you just wait. No, no <laughs> hanky-panky. This is no you winning Valentine's Day level of emergency. I say, this is real. <laughs> <laughs> he was so trying to play the straight man, he couldn't do it for more than 10 seconds. <laughs> Tell us, Matt. Tell we us. had a message come in to our Tumblr inbox, we often do. A lot of times, we have people writing with the questions, the concerns, mostly concerns. This one we had is a little different. That it's, sounds interesting. This person writes in, really? <laughs> is that how you're supposed to do it? Yeah, it's just like really, this. guy who went on about the type of microphone he's wearing? Hey. I'm not being interesting enough for the people? <laughs> <laughs> you guys can't see it, but we're doing something different. <laughs> <laughs> Words hurt. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. We, this this emergency is already tearing us apart. So we anonymously entered the Tumblr inbox. I don't know why they felt the need to keep this anonymous because it's pretty awesome. I've been a super fan of the podcast for a long time. Right on. This is my first time writing in. So what does this person ask of all the mysteries of life, love, and the universe the first time they're writing in? My question is, how is there not a say that video game? Oh, perhaps dude. you could be battling time traveling robots from the future. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's that such a good idea. Is an emergency of opportunity and imagination. Oh, yeah. I like now, first, it. to quickly answer your question, there's not a say that video game because none of us have the amount of time or skill to program a video game. That's true. And that's true. considering that we've looked into what it would take to get an app, and the answer is roughly $25,000. We're not even looking into what it would take to get someone to build a video game. Well, and another thing, uh, video games are of the devil. Well, clearly, obviously. That's why I don't have anything to do with, uh, you know, shooting zombies. And uh... So if we were to go up two flights of stairs to your, uh, your den there, we would find no boxes X, stations play, or iPads full of shooting games? I... Uh, I like to, you know, purity's what I'm interested in. Sure. Sure, the only thing on that iPad's a Kindle app. 
<laughs> a Kindlelap filled with John Piper's best. I but I. Th- <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, something something triggered something. It was very out. Who can say what? <clears throat> but uh, I think this is an excellent idea because the new new listeners of the podcast may not be aware. Uh, but uh, you know, uh, we've been engaged in the ongoing feud with Joel Osteen because he has the number one Christian podcast on iTunes, and we want that slot. Sure, absolutely. And a lot of things suspiciously go wrong with our podcast. With our podcast, for example, we are not the number one Christian podcast, which we find suspicious. (laughs) It's very suspicious because we're the best. We're number. Doesn't make sense. I mean, in my mind. Uh, There's a number of metrics that say that's not true, but in Jed's mind poll. (laughs) (laughs) Margin of error, zero. (laughs) That's right. Uh, Unskewedpodcastrankings.com. Yeah, so uh, we we have a a perspective, like there must be something going on, and so we postulated, based on watching that important... uh, uh, a documentary made by the former governor of California. Yeah. That uh, there's time traveling cyborgs right. that are probably being sent from a future Joel Osteen back in time. Because in the future, what happens, we take over. Of course, obviously. obviously. Okay. So he's got to do something to get back on top. He has to send cyborgs back in time. Okay, but what this person is helping us to understand is we could train a whole legion of Say That fans to be able to be ready for the coming robot uh, insurgency. Absolutely right. I think that's great. One of the things we've learned is that Glenn was really out of it last week. He says, well, new listeners may not know, you gave that exact explanation of the Osteen feud last week. <laughs> Did I? <laughs> Pretty much beat for beat. Wow. Well, la- last week, I was all the way out of it. <laughs> I mean, all the way. Well, here's what I'm saying is, if uh, I have a couple questions about this video game. If the video game, and, and here's the thing, we don't have the time or the money to build a video game. Right. But we have super fans who have those abilities. Totally. Yeah. Straight up. Yep. They can we make have the super video fans game. who have the amount of money it takes to get a video game developed and they haven't just cut a check yet. They are no super fans of ours. Wow. No, I'm just that's saying that's a they lot can, of cash. We have some fans that build their own video games. Okay. So here's what I'm saying to you on this is a couple questions. If someone plays the Say That video game, question number one, can they choose which of the four hosts they want to be from the get go or do you have to unlock? Right hosts by beating different bosses that's question number one question number two is is it an online gaming community could you meet your future spouse by by mowing down cyborgs absolutely right yeah you you unlock a better potential spouse when you get to each level (laughs) really really not what he said and i i love what lee's introducing because we each need to have a power right for our character and like an ability. Like if I may date myself, the old Ninja Turtles arcade game. Where Much like that. A different okay. Weapon. So for example, my... Wait, do we have a finishing move? Of oh, course. Sure, sure, move. sure. Okay, my, for example, my special power would be I would have a flaming sword. Okay. Okay. That is a special power. Now, Matt's special power is he would have like seeds <laughs> really in a bag <laughs> and he would plant them and then flowers would grow and trap the enemy and then i come in with a flaming sword and kill him see what i'm saying man matt's power is so lame yeah well i you know what it, it we're all part of one body <laughs> <laughs> and you can't say one part is more important than the hand can't say to the flaming sword <laughs> I have no need of thee. I have no need of you. Uh so Thank you for King Jamesing that up, Lee. Yeah. Well here's so, here's what I'm saying. Uh, how is Matt's power like is Matt's finishing move just like his beard just comes out and entangles his yeah. enemy? Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yes, Immobilizing like them. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. And on the video game, Matt is Matt's character is definitely wearing his kilt, like the Ramsey Tartan Absolutely right. Kilt, sure. right? Yeah. Works for me. Well, if we're gonna be true to life. 
Dude, yeah. I think it's fair to offer because you know, uh, now I know Glenn doesn't know about this because he he knows the video games are evil. But but sure. those of us who have been tarnished, you know, such as myself, you know, mm. and have, have dabbled. The Lord Satan, but... who is a fallen angel <laughs> and invented video games, to quote Jed's five-year-old niece. That's that's a fact. But you know, so I've been I've been tarnished by the the dark arts that are the electronic arts, and you know, I'm I'm more nice. not only. Thank you. Not only are there video games, but you've got your downloadable content, you've got right. your mods, your skins. Right. Here's what I'm saying. I feel like I can offer this. If you produce a mod or a skin that puts our faces into a video game that we can play, I'm talking permanent super fan for life status no immediately. Right. Just done deal. Absolutely. Right. I'm talking about free uses of bridge box. I'm talking about the full say that swag pack. Totally. Hey, T shirt, somebody... beanie, buttons. I, and look, deal. I, I would be satisfied if somebody took our uh, beginning of show score and and eight bit and just put it into eight bit. Ooh, that's good too. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I would. That would actually be amazing. That, really cool. Is there any other work we'd like to outsource? Because I know <laughs> uh, Glenn's sidewalk could use a shoveling. If you want to come do that, let me uh, let me just say this right now. I'm gonna put it out there, and you know what? If you don't like it, we'll send it back. You could just send it right on back. Okay. Here's what I'm saying. Given our fans. Right. That I, and I know a lot of our fans. I've met some of them. I talked to them on the, on the computer. Right. Given our fan base, which is white hot with nerddom. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they are the beating heart of geekery. Okay. Given that. How is there not? And that's all, why we love you. How, it, sure. Given that, how do we not right now have a say that board game? Oh yeah, that's true. Because yeah. like, I'm telling you what the, the bless them the nerds that listen to this show right play board games. I'm just like saying the, that like yeah. the cones of Dunshire and Parks and Rec, just like yeah. full out exactly. So, I think exactly in its right. own way, Cards Against Humanity is a say that board game. Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> really, with a it became that uh, uh, at a recent holiday here's, here's celebration. A, here's a legitimate question Best about the Thanksgiving say that, ever. The say that video game. If you're if you've unlocked Glenn's character and you're right. playing, you know, as Glenn's character or whatever, right? And then you get taken out, like health bar all the way down. Right. Is like how does the character like how does he die? Is it just like a or is it like does like a graphic of his wife Jane comes out and yells at him and takes him all the way off the screen? I think it, he ends in a rage explosion. Sure, yeah. just just yeah. the internal rage well, wells up. He turns and berates you, the player, for being so poor. <laughs> yes, until he There's just a lot explodes of truth to with that, anger. You know. <laughs> it's Why did you do Glenn. that? I yours I. I Clearly, the, you're supposed to make me jump and then hit her with a sword. Why didn't you do that? Real life <laughs> quote from Glenn teaching Jed's wife to play golf. No, do it good. Not like that. <laughs> well, I, I have an idea. People hear that and think that's a, an exaggeration or it's a not. joke. It's not. I have an idea. Now, now, Glenn, I know you've stayed away from the video games. Oh, you, yeah. You've yeah. kept yourself electronically pure. Yeah. Um, in a way that the rest of us have not. I, I believe in purity. Well, I, I think we all do. But you may be familiar with a video game called Mortal Kombat. I've heard of it. Okay. And and that at the end, uh, someone yells, finish him. And you know, now, I've seen the movie. I was not aware it was a video game. That's the <laughs> information. It, it was indeed. So there's a few options. You know, right. finish him, fatality, flawless victory, right. you know, that right. kind of thing. If you'd like to try out this whole video game concept, and that's delivered by a character named Shao Kahn, mm. if I recall correctly. Mm. Um, and I know, now that I've said it, I know we're going to get emails immediately telling me I'm wrong about that. <laughs> sure, in many ways, Shao Kahn is the Eric Clapton of the Mortal Kombat universe. <laughs> and then Jed references him and people don't know what he's saying. <laughs> that happens to me a lot. But here's the important thing. Yes. Tonight, as we give our answers, you could be our own Say That Shao Kahn and weigh in on which answers need to be finished. I think this is a deeply, <laughs> deeply troublesome road to go down. Which answers achieve a flawless victory. Right. Which answers are a fatality. You I know? see. But I Jed, see. let me cuff you here. And every now and then I can just go, Mortal Kombat! <laughs> Absolutely. Just like that. 
to go with the analogy of the moment, let me hit pause here. Right. Yeah. Right. Jed, you've known Glenn for some, what, 10, 12 years now? Long time, yeah. At what point did you think him giving an audio commentary <laughs> running critique of other people's answers was going to help this show? Oh, understand. I don't think it will help at all, but I'll enjoy okay, it. Okay, fair know, enough. I think it will help people to finally learn exactly in what ways they suck. That's... Uh, <laughs> Just the man for it. But, dude, think how good you feel if you laid down some ministry advice and then you heard, flawless victory. You know, like, they don't like, do that stuff at seminary. Not at all. So, you know, they like don't. Like, you, you really but, threw down on an answer and Glenn's voice just comes in, kill-tacular. Exactly yeah. right. Yeah. You know, if you're like, you know, I don't know, should I go farther? Maybe I've said too much. You just hear, finish him. You're like, all right, <laughs> let me get after. Let me yeah. just, you know, take care of it. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. this is going to be a fun episode, apparently. <laughs> For everyone but me. <laughs> well, I think in that case, we're going to have to declare emergency off and get to the possible wreckage and shambles that will be the answers during this episode. <laughs> if you'd like us to have one day have enough money to develop our own Say That video game, the best way to do that is by supporting Bridgebox. Woo! Until then, however, we'll continue to hire part-time employees. Right now, actually, this month, we're getting ready to hire our third part-time Bridgebox employee, okay. who's a lady named Loretta Horton, who works for the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, and she's going to partner with us to produce some audio, some versions of classic African-American hymns that haven't actually really had high-quality recordings made of them. We're going to do that, so... We've got some guys who help with transporting people to our service, guys who help with jobs, and now we've got some folks who are really helping capture a very specific part of Christian culture in a cool way. And that's the kind of stuff that Bridgebox directly goes to fund. When we yep. say you're supporting our ministry here in Chicago, that's hiring part-time people who wouldn't be able to do this work otherwise, and you're supporting that for only $8 a month, and you get a bunch of cool stuff to forward your own walking sign for that at missionusa.com slash bridgebox. You do support that, and you also support the awesome work that Lee's doing with kids and with folks down there in Tennessee. If it's not for missionusa.com slash B-B-L-Y, also $8 a month. You can email me, Matt, at MissionUSA.com to get the super secret link to get both for only $12. We're going to jump to our first question. If you hang out with us all the way to the end, I'll give you some ways to get in touch with this. This comes in anonymously to our Tumblr inbox, and it says, How can I be generous when I have so little? I don't own a car or have cable. I only make food at home, and I still struggle to make ends meet. I feel so guilty for not being able to give to be financially generous. Does God understand... And are other ways of giving just as honorable and valid? Jed, why don't you start us off? I can do that. Well, my friend, thank you for writing in. And here's the really the key thing. Before we get to the questions you're asking, we are so sorry you're going through a rough time. Um, yep. and, and we're so sorry that, that finances are so tight. And, and that's actually what we want to talk about right here up top. Uh, what I hear you describing is a situation that, just isn't financially viable for you. Um, you know, you're saying I, you know, I don't really have a way to get around, and I don't really have any kind of fun. Or, in, you know, if, if you're eating every meal at home and you, you know, don't really have, you know, TV to watch or whatever, you're kind of you have. It sounds like you have no real fun in your life, and you don't have, you know, a way to get around and whatnot. We may want to do something about that. We may want to start seeing is there something that we can we can do about that? Yes, to answer your question, God cares about your heart, not the amount that you give. Um, but uh, God also cares about your finances. Um, this is always a bit of a tricky subject because there are people who, in the name of Jesus, have said some very weird things about money. You know, God wants you to be rich. I'm not saying that at all, but God does care about your financial situation, and we care about your financial situation. Um, if there are people that you can talk with, that might be financial aid counselors at your school. Um, you know, that, that might be other people. It sounds like something where we might want to try and take some steps on that. And again, if you're in a situation where just you kind of can't make ends meet and there's nothing left to cut out of the budget, which is what you seem to be describing, that's not a good place to be. And just, you know, all of us have been in that place. Oh, yeah. all, uh, you know, all four of us on this podcast have been at a point of having a homeless guy ask us, can you spare a dollar? And the answer is no, because I literally don't have a dollar to my name. Um, that's a crappy place to be, and um, we want better for you. If you're not sure who to talk to, uh, write us a message. Th this came in anonymously, but write us a message and let us know how we can contact you. We'd love to help you sort that out because we don't want you to be um, uh, broken away. We're just not able to live your life. I don't think God wants that for you either. Yes, we want to figure out how to do the giving, but we need to, to take care of what's going on with your finances as a part of that. That's absolutely fantastic point. It really is the place to start. Here's the thing, as Jed pointed out. 
you can't give what you don't have. Amen. And you right. can't, and God would not want you to give in a way that's going to make you financially more unstable. Yeah. Right. Now, there's some people who kind of take that, as Jed's saying, take that to the point of, God probably wants me to have $100,000 in my savings account, and it would be irresponsible not to do that. Nope. Not what we're saying, but if you, as we said here, if you can't actually afford food all the time, yep. you actually, and this is missionaries who are only funded by people giving money saying, you should not be giving money away. Yeah. Right. That's that's right. the place to start. We got to get, as we often say, you can't you cannot help the poor by becoming one of them. Yeah. Right. That doesn't work. But uh, to pick up on another very important point, and Lee, why don't you take us through this a little bit. Once you get to that place and you can give, the amount is not as important as your heart when you're giving. Absolutely. There's. It's really interesting when you look at Jesus in, in the New Testament, there's a place where he's just sitting in the temple He's sitting across from the place where people put their gift in, and he's just watching people put their gift in, which if you weren't God in the flesh, that would be the most rude, the most presumptuous thing to ever do in the history of the world, just to sit there and watch people. And then he goes on to judge them. He says, this person gave more than this person. Uh, there were all these wealthy people putting a lot of money in and stuff, and there's this old widow comes by, and she puts in two little pennies, and Jesus said she gave more than all. And the thing is, is that this this is not, It's there, there's a lot of people that can give just heaps and heaps of money and do give a lot of money away to charities and to ministries and stuff like that. But it's not anything that, it, you know, it's not a part of their heart. They're not actually giving out of a, a joyful heart of asking God, what do you want me to do to be a part of giving into your kingdom? They're just, you know, giving a certain percentage away and it's, and it's not really connected with what their, what their heart is about or giving in, in that sense. The, the truth is that what this is supposed to be about is this is like giving is supposed to be a kind of a recognition more than the amount that you give away, that you have a recognition that Every single thing that I have comes from God. My ability to work, my mind, my creativity, my gifts, everything I have comes from God. And God actually wants my whole life. Um, not just, he doesn't just want some money in the plate or whatever. God wants our whole lives. He wants our energy, he yeah, wants our creativity, yeah, all yeah. that stuff. And so it starts from a place of the stuff that I have belongs to God. And I want to ask Jesus, not only take care of me, as Jed's saying, but what do you want me to do with the money that you've given me? How much of it do you want me to give away? Where do, where would you like me to, you know, who is in need that I can do something about that? And, um, and, and who do I really, you know, what ministry do I really love? Or am I really excited about getting behind and supporting? The cool thing is, is that when you have a heart to give and you realize that what I have belongs to God and not to myself, everything comes from him. And I just want to, I want to give as a way to show him love and worship and all that kind of stuff. Um, When you start doing that, then giving actually becomes a really, really fun thing. I mean, that's the whole deal is that when you can get to the place where you're saying to God, okay, God, how can I partner with you in, uh, in keeping some some mission or some group or some something that you're up to in your kingdom, keeping them afloat and keeping them going and keeping them encouraged, then all of a sudden, it giving becomes the absolute like one of the funnest things that you can do. Uh, one of the cool conversations that my wife and I will have from time to time is, okay, this you know we've had some money come into our life now. Like, who's on your heart? Let's pray about it for a few days. And who, who do we love that we know is having a hard time? What can we do about it? And I can tell you from this, just from experience, those times have been some of the most joyful experiences that we've had. But there's tons of people that are giving heaps of money away because they got more money than they know what to do with. And, and their thought is, well, the Lord's really pretty lucky to have me because... <laughs> yeah. I have a lot of money, and so I'm going to put this out there. And they don't have any recognition that this actually comes from God in the first place. They don't have any kind of connection to building his kingdom and stuff. Jesus is watching all of this. And the thing that he wants is, do I know that my stuff belongs to him? Do I want to partner with him in building his kingdom? And am I excited about you know, giving him a chance to call the shots and what I do with my money, knowing that it's going to give me more joy than I ever thought it possibly could. I think when we get our heart around some of these issues, it it clears up a lot of these questions. I mean, you could have somebody giving away millions of dollars that have no connection to their heart whatsoever. And you can have somebody who doesn't have a whole lot, who's given eight bucks a month to Bridgebox, for instance, and they're changing lives in a huge way. And they're excited about supporting a ministry that they happen to be super fans of, which is 
is a really, really cool thing. Everybody wins, and it's really, really awesome for all parties involved. Yeah, that's awesome. It points to a kind of a thing I'd like Glenn to unpack here for us, which is this idea. Generosity is not just a thing you do. It is an attitude. It is a state of mind. That's what God wants from us in that, right? Absolutely. You know, to, 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 to directly address the, the question, uh, are, you know, are these other ways of giving just as honorable and valid? You bet your bet be they are. Um, it, because it, as, as uh, Matt was just pointing out, this is about uh, God calling us to be generous across the board in every way, uh, generous with our understanding, generous with our time, generous with our money, uh, generous with um, the, 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 uh, the ways that, that we find to serve one another. Here's the thing, is that um, uh, we need for you to understand, if I could make this clear to you, <coughs> excuse me, uh, uh, as Matt just finished pointing out, uh, Matt, myself, and Jed, all three, we, our salaries are partly generated from people just like you, uh, sending money either in through Bridgebox, through our website, uh, friends of ours that, that might give through a, a website, uh, or we might have a sit-down appointment with them, and they would give us um, uh, money uh, here and there. That's how we survive. I need you to hear this. If we, as people who really, really need that kind of money, are telling you, no, you do not need to feel guilty about right. the lack of giving in your life. That yeah. needs to come at you with a lot of gravity. Yep. Yep. Uh, because I think someone has made you to feel guilty. Yep. And I think that's the real problem here. Uh, I, as as Jared was hinting at, I think there's some bad theology that might be coming your way. If you're a generous person, generous with your time and in, in your in your heart, uh, with with your talents and your abilities. Uh, you're absolutely making God smile. One last little thing. When I talk to pastors, and I talk to a whole lot of them, they say, um, as bad as we may be hurting financially, it's always harder to get people to give their time. Mm. So if you uh, are in a position where you can give your time, recognize that's a resource most churches need desperately. So. Just to build, Glenn, on what you were saying there real quick, we go to, we partner with a wide variety of churches, and so we're in a wide variety of churches. Everything from super traditional, um, you know, uh, Catholic churches to very, you know, um, energetic, charismatic churches, and right. everything in between. Here's the thing, there are certain kinds of churches that uh, talk about money and how you ought to be giving nonstop all day, every day. Yes. Um, and if you're in, they got a lot of Bible to quote at you and they really crank up the emotions to 11 and put a guilt trip on people. If you're, it, do you not want to be blessed? Is that because, you know, God wants to bless you, but you have to, you have to plant a seed of faith in order for him to bless you. And just, he right. wants to open the storehouses. Do you not want the storehouses open? And you just like it because of the faith. Right, right. Here's the thing. If you're going to a church that is making you feel guilty about money, It'd be a good time to ask, is that the best place for you to be going? Yeah. Um, there, there's a lot of other churches in your town. I'm not talking about a church that challenges people from time to time. Look at your finances. Right. Look at your giving. That's a different thing. I'm talking about a church that week in and week out, it's like, hey, but besides, don't you want God to bless you? And are you lacking <laughs> in faith? And you know, Yeah, it's a manipulation yeah. piece that's different. It, you know, you're saying if they're bringing it up and saying, hey, you know, here's the bottom line. We need to meet it. Absolutely. Hey, that's just giving you the information. If it's a manipulative thing where there's a guilt or a shame or something yeah. or a fear element to that, we need to look at that. And there are churches, and there are actually really whole categories of churches that do that week in and week out. Yeah. That's every week we're doing that. If yeah. you're in a church that's like that, I really want to encourage you to think about praying, uh, you know, think about and pray about going somewhere else, trying something else. It might even be a good idea. Just visit a church that isn't like that first Sunday and just breathe the free air and see yeah. how that feels and see, see what that does for you. That's a great point. I want to pick up on something Jed was saying there, and it may, it may have sound, hit your ears a little funny, and I want to make sure we clarify it. We partner with a wide variety of churches, but we visit 10 times. Yeah, that's exactly that. right. Now, right. Jed said we partner with the charismatic churches. We don't actually. That's a good call. We, we, we are in those churches. But we visit we, them. what we'll have is a guy who comes to our bridge service or someone at a recovery service and says, you got to come down to you know Pastor So-and-So's Temple of the Anointing, and it's great. I mean, 
you're on us for months. Say, okay, we're going to go check it out. They want us to invite the guy to preach, whatever. So we go to a variety of churches and religious things. And one of the things that's pointing to is very important there is what happens over that time is you develop an ear for, yeah, this guy's on something weird. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. even have to be that out on front street. As Jets pointed out, a lot of these churches are about money way out on front street. But part of what we develop that sometimes as you listen to the podcast, forgive us on this and feel free to write in for, Rendition is sometimes it uh, it eludes us that people aren't attuned to this kind of thing, this yeah, kind of thinking, uh-huh. because we know what these pastors are really trying to accomplish. Yeah. And now I'm no longer talking about the charismatic thing. It's like just your mainline suburban, maybe kind of leaning mega church plant, whatever. Those churches run on incredibly thin margins. Yep. Yeah. Every denomination we work with, which is every mainstream denomination is massively hurting for money now. And the thing that drives a lot of those pastors nuts is they know that if everyone in that room gave half of the 10% that the Bible says in places they should, they would never have money problems again. Yeah. Right. They're in a room full of suburban white people who have the money to give and are not giving it. Right. Well, generally, just to jump in, what they have is one or two people that give quite a bit and then expect a huge amount of yeah. control in return. Right. Yeah. They, mm-hmm. they want to call shots and be the boss. So that all informs, especially if you listen to, if you're like hearing sermons on TV or the radio or reading some Christian books about generosity giving, that is aimed at white suburban people in their 30s and 40s who have tens of thousands of dollars of surplus income a year. Yeah. So there's a lot of that, you know, you got to give till it hurts and you got to contribute and don't every bit. And so I tell you that to to get to Glenn's point about the guilt of none of that's actually aimed at you as a young person, college student who can't make any, who has actually no money to give away, Yeah. but you're absorbing that same message because yeah. you might be in that pew, you might be reading that book and it all gets a little scrammed in your brain because as Jed points out, they're laying it on so thick yeah. right. that right. it kind of can get caught up. So you got to take a moment and not even in a bad way, say, where's this guy coming from? What's this, what room am I in? What messages am I getting? And then as, as Glenn pointed out, go back and bounce that off the Bible because, you know, the thing Paul says in 2 Corinthians is that God loves a cheerful giver, right? Not a substantial giver, yep. Not, not a, a guilted giver. giver, not a guilty giver. God loves a cheerful giver. It says, "Give in your." As to Lee's point, give what God has put on your heart to give, yeah, not right. what someone's manipulating you into giving. So you want to find your extremes because another way it goes, which this is bad too. A lot of campus ministries and stuff kind of fall into this because they know they're dealing with people with no money. Is, however, it is important what you do with your money. Jesus talks about money a lot. You know, things like, you know, where you put your, where you put your money is where you put your treasure and all sorts of stuff about, but he's actually most of the time preaching against greed. Yeah. Here's the thing in your situation. If you don't have anything, you can't really be greedy. (laughs) Right. If you don't have enough money to meet your basic necessities, greed is totally out of the picture. Yeah. Right. Now to Glenn's point, you can be greedy with your time and with your attitude and that's some stuff you can start kind of cultivating now, give an hour here and there put up with someone at the church, a kid or, you know, somebody who's lonely, who drives you a little nuts and mm-hmm. learn to start giving in a sacrificial way when you don't have any money. And then when you come around and you actually have something, you'll, you'll know, you'll know what that's about a little bit. So the guilt kind of bounces off you. All right, we move on to our last, our next question here. This came in anonymously to our Tumblr box as well. It says, what is the minimum amount of doctrine you need to believe in order to be a Christian? If you believe in if you believe in evolution, don't believe in the Trinity and that Jesus was just a man, not God Himself. Any of that stuff, can you still be a Christian? Lee, why don't you kick us off? Sure. Um, there are some basics that are are part of our message, and um, that basically every, every single person that's a Christian agrees with. And those basics are super duper simple. But the thing is, is you can easily find those. Like for instance, like any one of the letters that the Apostle Paul wrote, like just grab one out of the book, like the book of Colossians in the first chapter, the stuff that he says about Jesus, or the stuff that Jesus said about himself in John chapter 8 or in John chapter 14, for instance. And what you're going to find is it's going to be super, super simple stuff, that human beings are a mess on our own, that God Almighty sent God the Son to come down here to pay for all of our wrong for us. He died in our place to take our punishment. He rose from the dead 
He ascended into heaven. Anybody who believes in him is saved. There you go. Now, there's some integral stuff in there, like Jesus is God. And that so the Trinitarian belief in, you know, the Father, Son, and the Holy Holy Spirit are part of those things. But what you do find is there's a whole lot of stuff that a lot of denominations and a lot of different people argue about that just doesn't matter at all. There's just it it's just not it's 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 a it's a waste of our time to argue with people about it to debate about it nobody knows you know as far as evolution and stuff like that when you look at some of those things like you know one of Paul's letters or the stuff Jesus said about himself or even like super early church creeds for instance you're not going to find anything about evolution or or any of that kind of stuff but you will find you know this you will find you know the belief in the trinity you will find Jesus was and is God and all that kind of stuff so there's some stuff that is integral and it's all very very simple God God the son came to pay for our wrong so that we believe in him we're forgiven it's it's dirt simple but it, it it is some important stuff outside of outside of that a lot of stuff denominations fight about and stuff like that it's not important it's not it, not that it's not important. It's not one of those things to get tied up into debates and arguments <clears throat> about. And I would classify things like evolution into into that latter category rather than the things that really, really are integral to our faith. I think that's a great point. I think it points to maybe we need some, to do some definitional clarity in this thing. When people say, what do you have to believe to be Christian— they're probably saying, what do you have to believe to be saved? Right. Which is way different than what do you, what should you believe to be the most theologically lined out Baptist, Presbyterian, whatever insert here. Right, Len? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, what, what does it mean to be a Christian? Depends on your definition of Christian. And you, you ask two Christians, they're going to give you two different answers. Yeah. Um, the word Christian means Christ follower. And, I know a lot of people who would call themselves Christians who are not really walking and talking with Jesus. You're saying they don't remind you a lot of his example? Yeah. I mean, there there, there are a lot of people, even within the church, even within church leadership, that do things where, you know, you disagree with them, you dislike it, it's, it's destructive and whatever, but you also look at it and say, hey, you know what, if that person asks God, or thought about it real hard, or prayed about it at all, or read the Bible, that would immediately jump out as not the thing. Yep. So, therefore, this person really just about can't be uh, 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 much of a Christ follower. So, uh, uh, you know, um, but the, the other way of looking at this, is Matt was pointing out, is what's the minimum to be saved as opposed to being a Christian. Well, because that's the matting part is that person is acting like a jerk that really is not following the example of Christ at all can still totally be saved. It can be saved, right. but the thing that I'm trying to highlight in all these different examples and kind of showing you the extremes on this thing is uh, this idea of following Jesus, this idea of walking and talking and listening to him and following his instructions. That's absolutely right. I think if we want to start at the basics of what do you have to believe to be saved, the Bible actually lays it out for us, right, Jed? It does. Uh, uh, Paul writes, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Um, but now, isn't there more to that? There's super not. Aren't there 16 points of theological doctrine to that? Nope, just the two. <laughs> well, he says that once in Romans 10.9. He also says that in the book of Acts to someone who's literally about to plunge a sword into their own stomach. That's right. Yeah. And says, what do I have to do? And he says... Confess with your mouth, believe your heart. And then to Clint's point, just stops, because that's right. it. Yeah. There was nothing more. There was nothing about baptism or any of that stuff. Well, right. in other places of the Bible, it takes it even simpler. It just says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Right. Um, if, if you call out to God, save me, uh, he's saving you. He that's, wants to save you, so if you want to be saved, that's that's it. That's, that's We did that, it. That's that, 100% uh, agreement. We, we can work out the rest of it later, but right. that's you're in. Yeah. Um, right. But here's the thing that your question makes me wonder is, I wonder if what you're asking is, what do I have to believe to fit in with other Christians? Because uh, uh, that's, that's a world of hurt right there. That's a very, very different question. Um, it, the Bible's super clear. To be saved, Jesus is Lord, God raised him from the dead. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, period, the end. Mm-hmm. And just so you know, if you're around people that are telling you something other than that, they're biblically wrong. Right. That, right. Yep. That's black and white night and day. There's no question about that. 
Okay. But to fit in with other Christians, that's a different thing. I'll give you an example. There's a very famous, and we try not to name specific people on the show, so I won't tell you who they are, but it's a very famous Christian band. Played on Christian radio and everything. Um, people love them. Uh, and they're actually a good band. And they were giving an interview, and someone was asking them about evolution. You know, like, well, I mean, um, I mean, you guys believe the Earth you know, is only 6,000 years old, right? And the lead singer, and he may regret this at this point, he said, well, n- no, actually, we... We don't really think that at all. I mean, you know, we, we, we've, we've read the literature. We're pretty sure there's older than that. And the fallout in the Christian world was immediate. Right. It, it, it was swift and it was substantial. I mean, they had whole denominations have banned them. Um, churches, you know, just, you know, canceling their shows immediately. Well, now, what, they didn't deny Christ. Not right? in any way, yeah. shape, or form. They right. said, we're pretty sure they're a little older than 6,000 years. Right. Um, okay, well, this is the thing about that is... Christians culturally want other Christians to fall in line. Right. Whatever right. the party line is, they want everybody to tow it uniformly or else. There's right. us and there's them, and if you ain't us, you're them. Yeah. Exactly right. If you're asking, do I need to believe that Jesus rode a dinosaur in order to be saved? No, you don't. Right. But Hey, can we put that in the video game? <laughs> <laughs> Flawless victory. I'm betting there's a Creation Museum video game. I'm betting there in is. In which Jesus rides a well, What was it, the, the video game that Flanders kids played in The Simpsons? Billy Graham's Bible Blaster. <laughs> <laughs> I got him. No, you just winged him and made him a Unitarian. That's so good. But the thing is, there are churches you could go to where they would expect you to be super into, basically, Jesus rode a dinosaur in order to fit in. I think the thing for you is to find a community of faith, as Glenn has pointed to, where people are about following the example of Jesus. They're about serving other people in love, loving in sacrificial ways, embracing people universally. Um, you should want to fit in with that, because that's, that's awesome. So mm. I think it's about being choosy about the kind of Christians you're trying to fit in with. I think that's a great point, and to build on that, you have to have a sense of proportion. As we talk a lot about in this show— Christians in general, for some reason, and church leadership in particular, sucks at proportion. Yes, they do. So if you say, like, to take from your question, okay, so the Trinity. Actually, that's super important for yeah. reasons Lee pointed out. Right. That's critical to, if you believe, call him Jesus is Lord and the God raised from the dead. If Jesus isn't God... Right. then the cross doesn't, is just being mean to one guy. Yeah, right. Billions yeah. of people have died. Why does this guy dying forgive your sins? That only works if he's God. Right. right. And in fact, that's, that was the first and biggest schism in Christian theology, right. was the whole, is Jesus God or not, which led to great stories of saints at councils punching other people in the nose right. over whether or not Jesus was actually God. Right. And people if, were burned at the stake for that one. And if, so, and if more <laughs> theological thing, conferences were like that, I might get yeah. it. Sure, absolutely. But sure. the reason people were so people like Augustine were, and people with Council Nicaea were so fired up about that because that is the critical, that is critical. And that really should be the point of theology, is here is this super simple statement. Right. And you dig deeper into it, and you, it gets richer, and you explain it more with the theology. Now, you might notice that there's not a word in the Bible about evolution. Nope. Right. Or gun rights. <laughs> the, the phrase Father, Son, and Holy Spirit does come up frequently. Yeah, in, there's in a moment when they're all there at the yeah. same time, and it's kind of a big deal. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. pretty major. But what happens there is, as Jed's pointing out, is there are people who just want— they don't want that relationship Glenn was talking about. What they want is the big old checklist. Yep. Right. And what's funny okay. is if you watch it on Facebook or whatever, what happened with the Christian band, or what happens, a lot of times a lot of pe- young people, maybe who are raised in a more conservative church, and they get to a point where maybe they go to college and meet gay people yep. right. who aren't on fire. They don't have an agenda. A fully, yes, there's no... And they go, maybe all that stuff about gay people being evil was wrong. And they write a little status about, you know... I met this dude, and he seemed cool, so I'm starting to question things. And then the church people flock to it. Yeah. But yeah. here's the thing. It's, 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 it is exactly the same tenor that people take if a longtime 
conservative columnist says, I actually agree with the Democratic president on this one thing. It's exactly the thing. As Jed said, right. it has nothing to do with theology. It's you broke from party line. Yep. Mm-hmm. And if people out there start thinking for themselves, this whole church thing is going to totally right. collapse. Yep. So people, you have to understand, we're saying the sense of proportion, to an earlier point Jed made about the people who, you know, Jesus wants to wants, wants you to be rich and bless you and grab your thing. It is very frustrating to me that those people are just as saved as I am. I don't <laughs> right. like that. Right. To the same way that the people who, you know, well, you know, Jesus rode a dinosaur and no climate change and we can't teach. We have to ban AP U.S. history because it means America, which is Jesus's favorite country. I don't agree with any of that. There are parts that I vehemently disagree with, and I will all kinds of block you on social media if you disagree with me on it. However, those people still get to be saved if they confess their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in their heart that God rose from the dead, because I don't get to be in charge of who's saved, which is really good. Saved and clueless is a thing. Totally. But (laughs) Some of us have been there. Yes, absolutely. But what you have to do, which is different, we talk about this a lot in the show, the difference between discernment and judgment. Yep. Judgment is falling into their thing and saying, Jesus rode a dinosaur. What are you kidding me? You're not, you can't be a person. You, that's that's not Christianity. That's nothing. Which I have those feelings a lot. Sure. But that's judgment. Discernment is saying, well, bless your heart. Right. I'm sure that when at the at the, that great getting up morning, we'll all have this figured out. But until then, I'm not going to hang out with you because right. that's weird. Yeah. Right. And they have the right to do that to you, and you have the right to do that to them. Right. But. Don't judge what other people are on, but always discern it. Right. Because people have no sense of proportion aren't people you should be listening to in your life. That's exactly right. We move on to our final question here. It also came in a non-solar time where it says, I feel like I'm at a critical point in my life. I'm a young person who's trying to figure out the next step in my life, and it honestly has me so frustrated and anxious. I have panic attacks and cannot make a decision on where to transfer to uni or what to major in. My parents do not want to help guide me. They've never allowed me to make any of my own decisions or really even leave the house except just for school. I just don't know what to do. I just want to follow God and his plan for me. Glenn, can you start us off? Yeah. Uh, wow. Not good. Um, here's the thing. Uh, God's primary will for your life right now is for you to find balance and peace. Yep. yep. Uh, I, can, I can tell you that I can, I can make that sort of bold declaration because... Without balance and peace, you're not going to be able to obey God in anything else. So uh, we, we clearly don't have that going on. So that's, that's our first and foremost thing. The second thing I would say, and, and this, uh, if you're hearing this and you're in your first couple of years of college, <coughs> excuse me, I'm going to tell you a big fat secret that the rest of the world hopes that you never find out. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> it just doesn't really matter. Yep. Uh, you know, it would help if you had a pretty solid idea of what you wanted to do for a career. It would help if you made good grades, for sure. And it would help, generally speaking, if you get into a decent school, but it, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, the truth is, if you... Um, Go to a small school, small community college while you're figuring it out. Save a little money. You can transfer into a nice school, uh, particularly if you make uh, good grades. You can transfer into a nice school and, and take up whatever major you want at that point. That's really not a huge deal. If you start off in a nice school and uh, you struggle to, to make grades, you can lower your course load. Uh, hire a tutor, regroup, fall back, maybe change to a different kind of major. It's a little less uh, challenging to you, and you can get right on it. Uh, you can uh, switch your majors. You can switch your schools. You can uh, regroup. You can uh, uh, make up for uh, most of the mistakes that you might be inclined to make at this point in your life. You really don't have to decide everything or figure everything out at this point. I, so I think, again, I'm, I'm trying to steer you back towards balance and peace on that. Uh, but I think in this, I'm going to kick it back to these fellows, but I think we've got to look at getting away, yes. far, far away, and uh, some freedom and some perspective and uh, maybe helping the parents to adjust to this 
scenario here. Yeah, I think that's really the place we have to start on this is your parents done messed up real, real bad. And not to be harsh on them, but they didn't fulfill some specific parenting goals that have kind of set you back. And until we acknowledge that, we can't really move on, right, Lee? Yeah, and the hard thing about what I'm going to say is it doesn't it doesn't fix your problem. What, what I'm about to say it doesn't fix it, but I need to say it because you need to hear somebody say it out loud, and that is your parents really screwed up, man. Yeah. They really, really screwed up. And I'm sorry about that, but here's the thing. This is, and so many parents don't know this at all, but a parent's goal should be that from, from about the age 10, 11, 12 until the age of 18 or when you're leaving the house, there needs to be a gradual gradation of transferring responsibility and decision Amen. making onto the child. Yep. Um, the, the parent... A parent in life starts out as somebody that's like a coach, training you, telling you everything you need to do, correcting the fundamentals, all that kind of stuff. From about the age of 10 to 12 into 18, the coach needs to transition into a cheerleader. Yep. Amen. You need to fire, a parent needs to fire themselves from being the coach and become your encourager, become your friend, become somebody that you can hopefully come to for advice and stuff like that, but not the shot caller about everything all the time. You, a lot of parents think, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to control my child's entire life. And then when they're 18, I'm going to magically hand them all the keys to their life and say, now go do this without screwing anything up have fun. But they haven't given this child any kind of confidence in making decisions. They haven't let them fail at all. They haven't let them make a boneheaded decision and have to go back and regroup. They haven't done anything like that. I'm telling you this, and y'all, this is no lie. I don't know if I've told this on the podcast before, but when my daughters, my my daughters are now, um, they're 11 and 9. When they were seven and five, I don't, I don't know what Chrissy's going to think when she hears it. When they were seven and five, she brought them into the laundry room. She said, both of you come here. Get in here to the, where the laundry room is. Okay, this is, the, this is the washing machine. Right. This is the button to turn it on. Yeah. Go get all your dirty clothes. I'm going to teach you how to do this now. My no. daughter was started doing her own laundry at age five, the other one at age seven. They've already been doing this. I have, this is no lie, in working in youth ministry, I have met kids who, as juniors in college, had never made a sandwich before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Here's what I'm saying. Your parents ro- royally, royally screwed this up. And, and I know that that doesn't change the fact that you're afraid about some stuff and you don't know what to do because you've never been handed any responsibility, never been able to make any decisions. But I'm hoping... I guess my aim in telling you this is to say the fact that you have no idea what to do is not your fault. Yeah. You did not do this to yourself. Now, um, what do we do now? I'm going to give you another piece of advice and I want you to pray about it. And I want you to expect that the Lord will hook you up on this. You need a mentor. You need somebody else. That's not mom and dad, um, to, uh, to, to help you walk through your life. You need somebody with a great walk with Jesus, somebody that loves you, somebody that can help you make some decisions. When, when I was 19 years old, my parents sold the house I grew up in and moved three states away. And I was in college on my own, working. I was going to school full-time, working two jobs, and two part-time jobs, and I was on my own. And, but here's the really cool thing. I had two friends who were both about 25 years older than me, and these guys just kind of took me under their wing. They told, told me how to get insurance, how to get an apartment, help me take care of my car, all these kinds of things I didn't know how to do. My parents were three states away, and they helped me make it through some transitional years in my life. I had, you know, I had some skills in how to do some stuff, but I didn't know how to do other stuff. What I'm, what I'm saying to you is go find that person. Ask the Lord to help you find that person. Look around in your church. Look for somebody who has a great walk with the Lord. There's some people that know how to help you transition into the next phase. Amen. That's Amen. absolutely true. And one of the things when you when you find that mentoring relationship that I bet's going to happen is part of what they're going to help do is help you realize that you have a better sense of where you should be going than you even think. Right, Jed? I think that's totally true. I think that's totally true. I think one of the funny things is um, even if you have some friends that are closer in age to you that maybe can't be mentors to you, they can be sounding boards to yeah. you. You know I mean? The problem, and, and this goes back to what Glenn was saying about we need peace, you know, we need balance, is 
when we have constant anxiety, it robs us of the ability to see things that otherwise would be painfully clear to us. In other words, there's a chance that you just don't have any idea what you want to do with yourself and do with your life. That's possible. And there certainly are areas of your life where that's definitely true. But I would bet that there are plenty of areas where you actually do have a pretty good idea of the direction you'd like to go. You just you're not clear on it. You can't you can't see it. You know, there's there's a I don't sense you from the U.S., but there's a, a saying around these parts: you can't see the forest for the trees. You've got so much going on in your head, you just can't see what would be obvious to anybody else. Well, when you have friends, and particularly when you have a mentor that you can talk with and just bounce things off of them, say words out loud, not at a computer, but in person to another person. They can reflect back to you, you know, every time we talk, you, you keep bringing up X, Y, Z, and it's clear you're really super interested in that. Have you ever, have you ever thought of pursuing that? Have you ever thought of, of looking at that? All of us need that. All of us need sounding boards. All of us need people to, to help us, you know, see, because all of us have blind spots in our lives, you know, things that we just, for a variety of reasons, can't see. But to, to kind of circle all the way back, um, to build on what Lee was saying and to go back to what Glenn was saying, I think your big problem here is not a lack of knowing what you want to do it's a lack of being able to see what you want to do and that comes from a lack of balance and a lack of peace um i think if we worked on some peace worked on some balance worked on getting a mentor worked on getting friends so we could be honest and open with i bet we'd start to see not only some sense of the direction we like to go i bet we'd see a lot i bet we'd start to see a number of things of you know i've always thought about that i've always thought about this and i thought this would be cool um, and then it's about giving yourself permission to pursue those things. But but the key is to start getting out of your own head, getting some balance, getting some peace, getting some friends, getting you know a mentor that you can talk with, and uh, and I think this will start to to get you pointed in a better direction. And if possible, I might vote for a school that is distant enough from mom and dad that Come we on. cannot live at home. Yes, get in the old dorm there, have a little bit of a social life. Take it easy with the adult beverages, but otherwise, you know, uh, get into that uh, college existence. I, I, that that might help a whole lot with yeah. a lot of these problems. That's absolutely right. One more thing I'd like to point out, maybe we'll kick it back around the table, is as a, a kind of a bigger theme here that emerges, we get in a lot of these questions, is part of what's probably leading to the anxiousness and the vapor lock you're getting here is everybody has this thing where they college, job, first job, whatever, they're trying to make the perfect decision. Yeah. Yeah. But, and that is exasperated by the fact that if you grow up in an environment where there's a lot of fear, which it sounds like if your parents really didn't let you leave the house except to go to school and aren't trying to help you make any decisions post being 18, there was a lot of fear about you make it, you will make the wrong decision. Right. And oh Lord, what will happen if you make the wrong decision? And there are some like big wrong decisions, like the kind that land you in jail or the maternity ward, right? That are a little tougher to come back from others. By the way, we all know people, especially here in Chicago, we know people who made those and actually are holding down nice jobs and doing pretty well for themselves. So there's nothing that's insurmountable, but really, there's a certain amount of kind of making a B minus decision as opposed to an A plus yeah. decision. Yeah. yeah. And maybe that's literally making a B minus as opposed to an A plus, right. which to Glenn's point, it doesn't really matter. That's no. right. If you it go doesn't. to state, you live in polytechnical and get your degree in the thing, unless you had a full ride to Princeton available, it's not really a step down from your other choices. No. I mean, unless you're choosing between, you know, Harvard Medical School or Crazy Dan's Discount Surgery Shack. It's, you know, it's just college. Yeah. It's a piece of paper. And there are people who went to the state school with a communications degree who are working in the cubicle right next to the guy with the lower Ivy's finance degree. Yeah. That's just the way of the world. Not only that, but I mean, who's to say, I mean, how many people these days are getting out with a degree and finding that they don't actually like the work Yeah, Yeah. and doing something completely different and tell you what, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. There are plenty of people who are cobbling together careers from several little part-time jobs and little odds and ends and little crafts that they make and sell on an Etsy store. I mean, you just, these days there's, there's so much different things. It's, it's not one of those deals where you start down this path and you are doomed for the rest of your life to be this job. That's it. That's the yeah. only thing you ever get to do. I mean, there's, there, there are infinite possibilities and, and people are changing jobs, you know, all, all the time, especially in today's world. There's, there's a, a ton of, like Matt's saying, just start the boat going down the river somewhere yes. and you can steer it later. Absolutely. And 
just very quickly to jump in there, if you look at, for example, what I do today, um, I could not have majored in it, yeah, and the right. job didn't exist before I invented it. So I couldn't have had the plan to do it in college. That wasn't a possibility. So trying to get that right from where you are is just... Uh, Unfair expectation. Well, the right decision is also often seen in this kind of college kind of fear-based thing as the safe decision. Yeah. yeah Which here's okay. the thing is there's not really such a thing as the safe decision on stuff like this. Go ask anyone who, I don't know, started going to law school in 2007 yeah. and graduated in 2010 with a $100,000 law degree and there were 40% less lawyer jobs than there used to be. Yep. There's a lot of stuff that goes back to where Glenn started all this thing with what are you killing yourself for with all the stressing? You know, Jesus says, do not worry. When I love in Matthew 6 where Jesus says that, then he gives a whole bunch of reasons not to worry. Right. Yeah. He didn't just leave you there. He talks about, you know, God cl- feeds the birds of the air and clothes the loud of the field. But the one he says is, who by worrying can add an hour to their life? Do not worry about tomorrow because each day has enough worry of its own. That goes back yeah. to something Glenn was talking about earlier with this following the Lord thing. And maybe, Jed, if you can speak to this for because uh, Jed has a has a degree from a prestigious institution, which none of the rest of this on this show yeah. can claim. But there, I'm sure Jed went to school in a type A major at a type A place with a lot of people who made themselves absolutely miserable to get to a career where they were absolutely miserable, right? Yeah. No, that's absolutely true. I mean, um, I, I I did go to a good school, and I was one of those people that killed themselves to get really good grades and, and do that whole thing. I have not had a conventional career, but, you know, uh, n- none of the work that I did has actually mattered since then. So, you know, I mean, you know, kind of the idea you work really hard and there's a big payoff that that has not been true for me at all. And in right. fact, the stuff that I do today um, uh, is all based on skills I was developing in my spare time. You know, right. it was, you know, it was <laughs> right. stuff I was doing off to the side for fun, for fun. Yeah. During the, the one hour a day I wasn't working, you know, well, in, in a sense, not to interrupt you, but God was sort of calling you away from come on now, all that other potential and possibility. Absolutely. Well, here's, here's the funny thing is, you know, I've been out of college at this point for, I guess a dozen years. And, um, you know, and what I've, what I've seen, you know, kind of most of my peers settle into are, Fairly, I don't mean this in a judgmental way, but fairly boring jobs that a person from basically any school could get. I believe um, one of them is copywriter for the internal memo of a grain distributor. That is correct. That's wow. a person with a master's in fine arts. That's correct. That's correct. I mean, unless, here's the thing, unless you have a hyper-specific thing you want, you really want to go be a professor of political science or something, then yeah, the school you go to matters and the grades matter and whatnot. If you super want to go to medical school, then yes, the grades matter and your MCAT score matters. But right. other than some very, very specific cases, it, it really doesn't matter. You right. know, I mean, and I think one of the things that we have to ask ourselves on this is, do you think that God is glorified by your misery? Right. Because that, that was the undercurrent question. for most of the Christians I knew going to the school that I went to is, you know what? God is most glorified in me when I am most miserable due to my school. That, right. That's that's what that was the religion that all of us practiced. Is that in the catechism? It's close to it. I think John Calvin said something like that. Um, you know, the truth is, God wants you to experience joy. God right. wants you to experience right. gladness. Uh, to say, "This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it." God means for you to have fun. Yes, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. It's under the Lord, Mom. We all know that one. <laughs> um, but. This is the thing is make sure that, that you're finding the stuff God has for you. Right. Um, you should feel a sense of joy in the things that God puts before you. If you're not experiencing any joy, we need to hit pause and say something's gone wrong. This idea of I'm just going to be miserable for the next 10 years, but then there will be peace and security and maybe happiness. That, that's a, a Western American idea. That's not a biblical idea. Absolutely. Well, it's a great point. Maybe something to close out on is... At every stage of your life, again, this is where we start with this, God is calling you to a life yeah. that is rounded and has whole parts. There may be seasons where, you know, occasionally yeah. you're going to have to pull an all-nighter to get the past the test to move on, and that's fine. We're not denouncing that. But if you're doing that for years at a stretch, you're not living a life. <laughs> As right. Jed is pointing out, you're putting in some kind of misery points 
that you will at some point cash in on yeah. a life. You could just have the life part right now. And that's something you're actually going to need. That is one of these life skills your parents didn't yeah. give you that it's time to start developing right now today of I can get the A minus and be a walking pile of misery yeah. or I can get a solid B and get decent sleep and, you know, go have a milkshake with someone. Yeah. If the sec the first one sounded like the one you have to do as opposed to the second, you may need to recalibrate some things here. Yeah. And that, you hear us, you've heard us all say a lot here. It doesn't matter. That is true. It, we're not saying it doesn't matter to God where you end up. We're saying right. going to school A versus school B is not the critical point of your life. Right. Yeah. This it right. goes back to what uh, Clinton was saying earlier about this thing with God, Christ, Christian being a Christ follower. You're following a path. There are going to be dips and darts along the way. It's not the, to go back to, it's all tying together very nicely. This is not a video game oh. where you have to clear every stage well played. perfectly well played. to move on to the next thing. That's right. not actually the way life works. You don't have to, you're not walking around searching to find the key yeah. to unlock right. the door of job. Finish him. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> well played. Right. So that's not what we're looking for here. What you're looking for is a way to live a balanced, rounded life where you work hard, have some fun, learn, move on. You can do that at any college. Yep. Maybe right. you can do that at one in a town where your parents don't live. Yes. Mm. Again, going to bring that up. So that's a lot of good stuff on that. If you want to sign up for Bridgebox and do that at missionusa.com slash Bridgebox and missionusa.com slash BBLY. If you've got a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. The Say That Podcast, flawless victory! <laughs> <laughs> yes!